We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part four. Cracking the top ten, Alan. This is where it gets the elite elite. Yeah, we are entering. If you're a top ten in something, you know, you are the elite. Homage to AEW. Alan, what's good, bro? Yo, we're doing this part four. This was arguably the hardest one for me because I had four names. Six was pretty standard, but seven to ten, I, I had these four quarterbacks of mine the whole way, and it was just hard to differentiate. So this is easily the hardest part portion for me compared to the other ones. Like I would say maybe like trying to figure out twenty five was a little difficult, but for some reason ten to seven really had me stumped. I uh. This was easy for me to put together the top ten. Top and ten in general, like top five was pretty easy for me, but the, the, seven to ten was really difficult. It was uh, it was a lot easier for me to go from from I my my top six. I think when when I first came up with this idea, I had them in that order. Mm-hmm. Not I didn't know the order, but I had an idea of who they would be, and I'm sure I'm gonna get heat for some of these, uh, because I've already gotten some heat for Chad Pennington. 
<laughs> has been one that's been re- really rough on me. But uh, do you want to quickly just recap what we got from 25 to 11 so yeah, far? Yeah, let's do that. All right, cool. Let me list. I'll list mine. I'm going from 25 to 11. Mark Bolger, Kirk Cousins, Matt Hasselbeck, Ryan Tannehill, Chad Pennington, Alex Smith, number 20. Then I got Michael Vick, Joe Flacco, Carson Palmer, Matthew Stafford, Donovan McNabb at number 15. 14 through 11 is Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan, and Brett Favre is my 11. Got 25, Mark Bolger. Then we got Jake DeLome, Matt Hasselbeck, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz. 20, Trent Green, Steve McNair, Dante Culpepper, Mike Vick, Eli Manning. 15, Carson Palmer, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Matt Ryan, Dominic McNabb. Yeah, the Eli Manning one is still... uh... Completely justifiable. I know. <laughs> if you say so, my friend. I, I, I would so. say the one. Looking back, I'd say I think I probably somewhat underrated Matthew Stafford. I'm looking at some of the choices. I'm like, I maybe slept on Matthew Stafford a bit. But other than that, I'm pretty content with all my choices. All right. I want to, once again, in case someone is listening to this now for the first time, welcome to the Veterans Minimum. I want to go through the criteria once again, and I want to just explain to everyone what we're basing everything off of, and the episodes are already up, and for those of you on the Patreon, you've already heard this. Okay, so for the QB criteria, it's the best QBs of the 2000s. They must have played at least three NFL seasons. Eliminate some of the new guys because we never know how long their careers are going to be. We're basing it off the five tools of the quarterback. That we came up with. Talent, roster around them, a.k.a. the supporting cast. Organization, meaning front office head coach. Their year-to-year resume and, of course, championships. And then also, it seems like for me, I've weighted this a little bit more than you have. But I do think in the top 10, we're going to start to really see this come into fruition. We're factoring in the influence on the game. As far as, you know, Mike Vick, for example. He made this list because his influence on the game was also really, really stellar. And then we've conducted our own list. And Alan and I, though we've had, what is it, like four we've agreed on? We agreed on 12 to 14, Matt Ryan, Andrew Luck, Cam Newton. And then also we agreed on Matt Hasselbeck and Mark Bolger. So we got five of of the same slots. 15 names we've mentioned at the same exact slot. So, all right, cool. I'm going to lead this one off because... I think a lot of people might have forgotten just how good this guy is because he hasn't played in a pretty long time, I'd say. It's been about a decade since he's played. Number 10 for me is Kurt Warner. There we go. Let's go. Me too. Number six. All right. First of all, when I first got into football, first got into football, it was the greatest show on turf. Oh, same here. My favorite wide receiver of all time to this day is Torrey Holt. I think your boy Julio is closing in. Mm -hmm. The gap. I know I've mentioned that before also. Over 32,000 passing yards in his career. He won like early, (laughs) very early. His first year as a starter, he won. Remember the infamous, we're going to rally around Kurt Warner and we're going to play great football. Um, uh, Dick Vermeil. Right. When Trent Green goes down. Trent Green was, I believe, going on um, looking up... uh, did some research on this one. Going into that season, the Rams were very heavily hyped. Their Super Bowl odds, they were the third favorite in the NFC. 
Do you happen to remember what teams were around them back then? I would say the Bucks, the Eagles, the Packers. Oh, of course, the far and the Bucks. Okay, yeah, because Bungie Bucks. And then, and then, well, for, the fourth favorite were the Eagles. Okay, but the Rams were the third favorite. Okay. Then they dropped down to the twelfth favorite in the NFC. Man. Peaked at sixty to one odds because no one knew about Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner steps in. 41 touchdown passes, 13 interceptions. They go on to win the Super Bowl in 1999. Remember, I've mentioned this many, many times through this series. If you throw 40 touchdown passes, it's not a long list of names that have done it. That is you cementing your name and legacy and having an all-time caliber season. That, the that's one of the main reasons why we put Andrew Luck so high. Right. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because I, I think Luck did it. 14. Yeah, yeah. 14. Yeah that, yeah, that season was wild. Um. So he has all those weapons. They go 13 and 3. And then um, in 2000, um, he goes 8 and 3 as a starter. Then the year after that, in 2001, they go back to the Super Bowl again. Wins another MVP. Wins the First MVP. First team all pro. Has 11 game winning drives in his career. Seven come from behind victories. 13 game playoff resume. Basically played an additional season. Mm -hmm. Of playoff football. Yeah. Well, I'll mention two stats. First team uh, in NFL history to start 6-0 and in three consecutive years from 99 to 2001. And it, actually, in the 2000 season, the Rams, even though uh, they only won 10 games, they got eliminated by New Orleans, they cut nine of their 11 starters defensively from that season because they were just so bad defensively. Like, offensively, they were still putting monster numbers. But defense was so bad, they essentially cut everyone. So just the, you got to take that into account when thinking about what Kurt Warner was working with. Okay, great show on turf, prolific offense, but that defense was pretty below average. We got to mention that his supporting cast was elite. I would say legendary. Yeah. Uh, Marshall Falk, Isaac Bruce, Ricky Prohl, great slot guy. Tori uh, Holt. Yeah. Young Tori Holt. Azura Akeem. I'm probably butchering his name, but I, I used to love yeah. him. You mentioned Ricky Prohl? Yeah, Ricky Prohl. Yeah, Ricky Prohl. Orlando Pace. Yeah. Yeah crazy he was with him and then Bolger. Yeah, you're talking about arguably the best left tackle ever. Either him or Jonathan Ogden. So he, he did get to play with a lot of good weapons, but I think the the main reason for why he's on here also is, man, how many guys have had a second run like he did? Not just that, but a long time he was pretty much either injured or backup or just his career was fade. That was the one knock that I, I put like an asterisk on Kurt Warner's name where if someone wanted to say, yo, you can't talking to me, playing mm -hmm. devil's advocate. Why be out of the top 10? No, why? Yeah, why he's out the top 10? Because he's he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks of the 2000s. Yeah, absolutely. There's no debate. But... Someone might be listening and say, yo, Lamb, he shouldn't be in the top 10 because you preach about longevity and durability as and well. consistency. Yeah. And it's like, you know, 2012, 2002, six games he starts. 2003, he starts one game and then nine games and then 10 games. He, had, he actually, that 2003, he had fumbled six times, lost to the Giants, broke his hand in the process, and pretty much he was done with it. And ironically, the Giants signed him the next year. Giants signed him the next year. He goes five and four. At the time, the Giants were in the playoffs, playoff picture. Mm -hmm. And that's the year that they draft Eli Manning. He plays the mentor to Eli Manning. And then they bench him. Giants end up going, I think, 6-10 and 10 the rest of the year. So they went 1-6. One and, one and Was Fossil still the coach? I believe so. Wow. And then they turned over and went to... Uh, Coughlin. I don't think Coughlin was the coach. I got I to gotta pull this that up. This was back in 2004 because I remember Eli's first start was against the Falcons. 
They lost 14 to 10. So Coughlin got to the Giants in 04. Okay, okay. so was there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you think about Warren's career, he was the kind of the veteran for not just the Giants, but Cross too, because he was part of what Matt Liner was there. Mm. So he was kind of a castaway for two franchises. Right, for, for two franchises that drafted young quarterbacks that they thought would be their stars. For one, it panned out to be Eli Manning was the guy, so it was the right move for the Giants there. But then, dude, 2008, like magical, magical what they did. Arizona. First year with Ken Wistnut. Yep. Had Bolden, Fitzgerald. Yep. Crazy deal. Edron James on his last legs, but. But still productive. Yeah. And they were in the NFC West where it's kind of fake because they beat the Falcons that wild card weekend. And I was in the Falcons. That was the first year of Mike Smith and Matt Ryan. And the Falcons were like a kind of a dark horse that year. They were projected to win two games, but then they all of a sudden were the dark horse playoffs, but they beat them. Then that was infamous Jake DeLome. They beat Carolina where Jake DeLome threw like five picks. Pretty much his career was over after that. But that Warren McNabb had a crazy shootout in yeah. the NFC Championship game. But Warner stopped him. You have to get credit. And not I know we're jumping a little bit, but he also outdueled in 2009 Aaron Rodgers yep. where they won 51 to 45. Yep. So Warner won an overtime where, yeah. where Rodgers, you know, I always make the case for Aaron Rodgers how he has no one has suffered more from uh touchdown wins the game in overtime than Aaron Rodgers. I think he has four losses in the playoffs in which two to Arizona. Yeah, two two to Arizona. Mm-hmm. There was a Seattle one. Oh, that was just a heartbreaker. Yeah, yeah. But still it's yeah. like you know, you're just asked out where you don't win the coin toss and then you lose. Yeah, he and threw five touchdowns in that game against Green Bay. So only two- oh quick quick. Not just that, threw five touchdowns, threw twenty nine for thirty three. He threw more touchdowns than incompletions. Yeah. Playoffs. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then next week, New Orleans freaking knocked him into retirement. Greg Williams' bounty system. Shame on them. I, I know we don't um we don't talk about other players during these really, but mm-hmm. man, that 08 Larry Fitzgerald run. Probably the most dominant wide receiver run a wide receiver went on. It's gotta be up there. Cause I'm trying to think what Randy did, because Randy had a couple of runs. Randy Moss. Yeah, yeah, but like even with the even with the Patriot run though. Walker was there and just yeah, Josh know, McDaniels. I don't remember him in the playoffs really having like a a monster game. True. Here's crazy stuff because Kurt Warner, he's one of those quarterbacks. Like he has so many stats. He's every time he played 16 games, he took his team to the Super Bowl. So three times in his whole career, played 16 games, but managed to do it. Uh, threw, threw 100 touchdowns for two different teams. Only Fran Tarkenton did that, and one of the only three quarterbacks. Those, Start for two different teams in the Super Bowl. You got Peyton Manning and Craig Morton. I have no idea who Craig Morton is, but there you go. In uh, 2007 in the playoffs, if you had to guess how many catches and touchdowns Randy Moss had in 2007 in the playoffs, mind you, his regular season in 2007, he had 98 for 1493 and 23 touchdowns on NFL record. 23 touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. Hey, what are teams doing in the red zone? Yo, dude, I'll never forget. I'm watching that game. All the guys are at my crib, yeah. my old apartment. My parents went to that game, the 16-0 game, when they played because they played the Giants. Right. This was at the time when the last game of the regular season, it wasn't necessarily a rivalry game. It wasn't you weren't playing someone in your division. Right. So it happened to be the Patriots and the Giants. I remember the Giants that year were it wasn't locked like a in. Saturday night game? It was a Saturday yeah. night game. The Giants were locked into the five seed no matter what. And the, the debate came up if, oh, should Coughlin play his starters? Mm-hmm. He came out and he said, well, you know, I preach my guys to win. Well, what, I look hypocritical and whatnot. Yo, the game, the, the sorry, the, the record-breaking touchdown. 
they run a fly route the play before on uh, Corey Webster. Ah, Corey Webster. And he overthrows him. Dude, literally the next play, I turn to Joey and I'm like, yo, why don't they just run that like 12 times a game? Yo, the moment I finish saying that, Bob throw Andy Moss on the same exact play to set the record. It's like, what the hell, man? He was, Moss to, I mean, Brady and Moss is illegal. Yo, yeah. All right, so dude, I, I want to go back to just Randy Moss real quick and then we'll get back to Kurt Warner. How many, I, I just rattled off your yeah. set, uh, you know, 98, 1,523 touchdowns. How many catches and touchdowns would you say he had in 2007? Just like playoffs? Yeah, so, just in the playoffs. So three, so three, games. three games. Okay. I'm going to say 13 catches, two touchdowns. Seven catches. Oh, no, Randy. One touchdown. <laughs> Damn, right. That's how I was saying how, like, you know, I don't remember him having a crazy, like, a, like a, maybe 99 and 99, it says 14 for 315 and three touchdowns. But, dude. Well, then they got smoked by the Giants in the NFC Championship game. Let's pull up. Yo, Fitzgerald, I want to say, had like seven touchdowns in that in that run. Because he had the flea flicker against the Falcons. I'll never forget. It was perfectly executed. Warner, Warner, it's such, in terms of deep ball passing, like Warner was one of the most accurate throwers out there. Like he Thir- was so- 30 catches for 546 and seven touchdowns. That's in four games. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's All insane. Right. But yeah, Kurt Warner, I think. Okay, didn't have the consistency, but what he did at the highest level was an elite player. Like you're talking about 2008, 2009, and then what he did with the Rams. It's just, it's just from 2002 to 2007, he was just a castaway, and then just I don't know, he got right with the right team in Arizona. So salute to Kurt Warren. I think the reason why I didn't put him higher is just because the consistency wasn't right yeah, there. But same thing with I me. think he's done too much to keep him out of the top ten. He's someone that I had to put in the top ten, and and just also. Uh, the the journey and the story of him, right, dude. Him and Jake Delhomme were on the same team in Amsterdam, NFL yeah. Europe. Yeah, and then he played arena football also. True, he was. I've never heard the story. He was like uh, at supermarket bagging cereal boxes, the Wheeze box. He was always look at it. Yeah, like, I'm gonna be on it one day. Yeah, crazy man. So yeah, for me, Kurt Warner. Uh, I, I I don't think you could debate him not being in the top ten. Really, I think what he's accomplished it deserves top yeah. ten. Yeah, yeah. All right, why don't you give us number nine? Tony Romo. Okay. Spoiler, he's featured in this episode. For me. Okay. Yeah, Tony Romo, I think, always been a little underappreciated. Four-time Pro Bowler, one-time second-team All-Pro. 29 game-winning drives. He has had to bail out some pretty average Dallas teams in the past. Uh, what I always appreciate about Tony Romo is just kind of what Kurt Warren didn't have is just consistency. Year in and year out, Tony Romo would play at a relatively good or high level. Um, I'll never forget... Sean Payton actually wanted to trade a third-round pick for him in 2006, and then Jerry Jones said he wanted a second-round pick minimum because Romo was lighting up the preseason. I think when it comes to like preseason quarterback performances, Romo's up there as like one of the best ever. So it's kind of crazy from that. And let's not forget, he wasn't even invited to the NFL Combine back in Division three school. Yeah, so what he's done, just coming in that situation back in, I believe it was 2006, coming in for Drew Bledsoe, and just a team that was in kind of transition. I'll never forget Thanksgiving. He threw five touchdowns against the Bucks, and that was like the first introduction of Tony Romo, where I was like, okay, they might have something special here. And I just think with Tony Romo, especially given that the supporting cast was kind of on and off. He sometimes would have a star receiver, BTO or Des, but I just didn't think always had the right system. Obviously, with Jason Garrett, doesn't it's going to be a bit of a hindrance. But some of the things that Romo did, I'll never forget beating the Saints 
ending their uh, undefeated run. They're I think they were 13-0 on primetime, winning in New Orleans on primetime. Very hard to do that, let alone outplay Breeze. Never forget that. Uh, the crazy game against Denver. Okay, they lost 51-48, but he threw over 500 yards and threw five touchdowns. Him and Peyton were going throw for throw. It was one of the most insane things. I was fortunate because I was just starting to cover the Falcons at the time, and they had a bye that week, so I got to watch that whole game, man. It was arguably one of the greatest regular season games I ever watched. It was just throw for throw. And that's the kind of thing you got with Tony Romo. Besides being, uh, I think he, I don't know if he invented the term sneaky athletic, but I feel like people always slept on Tony Romo from athleticism standpoint, especially with that vintage spin move. I'll never forget one time he got J.J. Watt so bad. And he threw a bomb to Terrence Williams, 52-yard touchdown. Thankfully, Terrence Williams did not drop it, which he was known to do. But Tony Romo just always knew how to elevate talent and someone that always made the timely throws. I know some people got him for interceptions, but I think more times than not, you could depend on Tony Romo. It's just, I think the lack of supporting cast and poor coaching kind of held them back. I've always said that he, for me, is the most underappreciated quarterback that I've seen. I think Tony Romo was the absolute band-aid for that organization. Remember, this was a team who... They were signing a bunch of guys with character issues. They'd have Quincy Carter, I remember. They also like having a deal with the aura of Jerry Jones, the new stadium being built, and then you have a division which has always been a tough division. We talked about the rivalry between those those four teams. Uh turnover in the backfield also. Remember it was like Julius Jones was his running. Eddie back. George was there for a brief period. And then uh the dude that like stole the panties or whatever the hell he stole. Uh, Josh jo- Joseph Randall. Oh my god. He he was dude, I remember he was getting yeah, he was getting drafted in yearly leagues in like the third round. I remember that. There was so much of there was those running backs you're just like, why? He had like seven good games. And he never had he never got to play with that elite offensive line. I think the end part, maybe twenty fourteen. When they beat, 2014 when they was beat when, yeah, because they they drafted Zach Martin that yeah. year. I remember that because I really wanted the Giants to take him. Right, right, Giants right. take Odell Beckham because that was Murray's big year. So he, right. Romo got the tail end. Of well, that. that was I think the the well, actually no, because they did go 13 and three the the 07 year. Right, but I do think that in 2009 they made the post. They smoked Philly. I I think that his best uh, his his best season might have been that uh, 14 one. Maybe the stats might have not shown it just under. I think people forget because Murray was so dominant behind that O-line. Like, I remember Murray was just going crazy. And I think that was the first year where Dez really started getting consideration as the best receiver. Him and Dez had such a great rapport. I know people talk about Romo to you. I thought Romo and Dez at times were unstoppable. Well, Ro- Romo to Dez, I, I think that that's a big reason why Dez Bryant got faded out of Dallas because you looked at the splits – Obviously, they had a bigger sample size because they played more years together. But Dak Prescott couldn't get the ball to Dez the way Romo used to. And I think Romo figured out. Yo, Romo was able to deal with personalities, man. Like, he had Terrell Owens. He's a guy who was... Well, we talked about the whole Diamond McNabb situation on the last episode. Right. And how he was a guy who was the epitome of a diva. So having to deal with that, having to deal with that, uh, personality and then Dez also was always outspoken like yo I need the rock I need the ball um, he made uh, Jason Winton a lot of money in his career also yeah those uh, eight yard out routes yeah what about um what about the dude that played at like Holy Cross who was that wide Kevin Ogletree, Ogletree. Ogletree. Uh, opening night against the Giants yep. at three touchdowns yep oh, 
Um, NFL records, he has most consecutive road games with at least one touchdown pass, 41 from 2009 to 2016. Highest QB rating in the fourth quarter. All right, because everyone likes to knock Roma for the turnovers. I'm just like, he still was really clutch. So he made a bunch of plays. And you mentioned 29 game-winning drives, right? Right. Yeah, 24 comebacks. Um, I want to move on. I have I have some more stuff. Yeah. But he's going to pop to up it. in a little bit, so just don't want to. Uh, but he's another quarterback that I just think has to be in your top 10 list. Yeah. Pure yeah. consistency. This guy would always play at a relatively high level or an elite level. All right. For me, number nine is Eli Manning. Here we go. Um, since it's not featured on the same episode as the one that Allen wrongfully, I mean, would you put him 17? 16. Oh, my God. Yeah, who's, Put, who's, putting him over Michael Vick it hurt the soul, but I had to do it. Whose who's man is this? Um, all right, look. The number one pick in the draft, sure, he forced his hand out of going to San Diego, coming to New York, but I think when you think of Eli Manning, uh, sure, the championships are great, and I'm not going to take them for granted. It's the only championships I've ever seen. But I think when I think of Eli Manning, the first thing that comes to mind is stability. And, again, it should be a part of your greatness. LeBron James right now is in the NBA 17 years in the league. And what's, like, the worst injury he's had? The groin last year? Like, this guy's always available in the playoffs. Year in, year out, he loses Kyrie Irving. He loses Kevin Love. But year in, year out, LeBron is always there. You're comparing one of the greatest players in basketball history, Eli Manning. No, no, no. no. Listen, you piece of trash. I'm comparing the idea of stability and durability. But what's stability if you're not playing at a high level? Durability, I get. Okay, you played, but stability. Stability at the most important position in arguably professional sports but is it truly stable if you're playing average to below average at times they weren't drafting quarterbacks in the first second round every year that's what i think is a big luxury your team is going through that you don't feel better about atlanta or anyone listening to this you don't feel better when your team doesn't have to oh my god i hope they hit this quarterback in the first round well matt ryan's never really been a liability eli manning has that's my argument my argument is that Eli Manning, when I mean stable, I mean that you're not whiffing on first-round picks on okay. quarterback. And this at the let me reiterate, this at the tail end. I'm talking 27. I just think he kind of wore as well. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah without, yeah, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. And I'm not arguing that. Yeah, I've been, that's why I knocked him. I, I've been calling Eli Manning shots since like 2014, 2015. Right. And, you know, a big I'm reason, not saying he should have been replaced like in 2007. That's ridiculous. Right, right. And... A big part of the reason why his tenure lasted as long as it did is because they drafted this kid out of LSU. And you looked at the numbers. Anytime Eli Manning was throwing to Odell Beckham from 14 and on, they had like one of the best quarterback wide receiver ratings in the league. But when he was throwing to everyone else, it was a shit show. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to Eli Manning. Sure, the knock on him is that you know he only has four seasons, four seasons in which he made the playoffs. And, um, you know, that's that's like a black eye. Oh, five seasons, I should say. Sorry. Um, no, one, one, two, three, four, five, six. Jesus Christ, I'm bugging. Um, only twice in those six seasons did he win a playoff game, and then it resulted in going to the Super Bowl. I think his run in 2011, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns, one interception. If you want to say that he didn't win that first Super Bowl, I feel you, and I I understand you, and I'm open to it. You can't tell me that he didn't win that second Super Bowl. 
especially look at that 49ers game. I still think that's one of the gutsiest performances you'll ever see from a quarterback. Yeah. Guy got <laughs> taken shot after shot. Yeah. They get 58 pass attempts and didn't turn over once against one of the best defenses in the past decade. In San Francisco, too, right. where they were like running around. That's a hostile territory. San Francisco doesn't have credit for being a hostile territory. Even when they were bad. It was like Oakland, too. I think there's something about the Bay Area out there. Well, also, traditional franchises. Like That's those true. real passionate fan bases. That's true. Two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP, four-time Pro Bowler, NFC passing, touchdowns co-leader in 2015, most consecutive completions to begin a Super Bowl, nine. I feel like that... I felt like that should have been higher. Like, no one's completed more than nine straight passes in the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Interesting. Yeah. Tied, uh, sorry, third all-time for most consecutive starts by a starting NFL quarterback, 210. Wrongfully got benched for Geno Smith. Also, NFL records. It was a gutless move. How about how about this one? All of these come in, in 2011. Most fourth quarter touchdown passes in a season. I did see a stat for one of the guys that I'll talk about later that I was comparing to. I couldn't believe it. 15. He threw 29 that year. So half his touchdowns came in the fourth quarter. I want how many to Plaxico Burris? No, no, no. This is, this is 2011. So this, oh, is, this is the Victor so Cruz, Hockey Mix, Mario Manningham. Because that's what I love. Yeah, he, those big vertical threats, he always had a great rapport with. He did, man. Yeah. He did. He always... And that's a, that's another reason why I think he struggled towards the tail end because he needed that big body guy, and they didn't really have that. Like, even Ru- even Ruben Randall, didn't Ruben Randall have like ten touchdowns? Yeah, one year? there was the one year where like Ruben Randall was the thing. Eli and big receivers tied the NFL record for longest pass completion and touchdown to Victor Cruz, ninety nine yarder, most passing yards in a single season, uh, single postseason, one thousand two hundred and nineteen yards, and he has almost. I'm not going to list all the giant franchise records because they're just mm-hmm. so many. And, and a lot of the quarterbacks that we've mentioned have been um, franchise leaders. Guys, uh, yeah, are leading their franchise. Um, the last thing I want to say about Eli Manning, I think when you talk about legacy and you talk about uh, maybe not so much influence on the game because no one ever wants to be like, yo, you know what? I want to play like Eli Manning. But I think he was a guy who you can count on him to go and play well on the road in the playoffs. Hell, all his wins came on the road in the playoffs besides the Falcons game that they played at home. And even the game against Green Bay that they lost in 2016, the wild card, he didn't play bad. How many drops did they have? Like eight? Yeah, it was like (laughs) seven or eight drops. You know, the, the famous boat picture. And Eli Manning wasn't. The guy that was the year a lot of people thought he should have been benched, which is kind of crazy looking back on. Yeah, because I, I think they won like 28 straight games where they didn't crack 30 points. Right. But also with Eli Manning, I think that he was a guy who never like pointed blame at anyone when he could have. You know, like for the longest time, the Giants had a shit yeah. offensive line. He um, was the anti Ben Roethlisberger. I remember when Pro Football Focus first started their uh, advanced analytics phase, where they credited, I think. Uh, 12 interceptions one year to mm-hmm. wide receivers like just like dropped passes and whatnot but <clears throat> love to utilize the tight end as well but w- the last thing i'll say for real this time is you can't write the history book without eli manning so that's why i think if you're looking at the 2000s you can't talk about the history of the nfl without eli manning especially going up against the patriots twice think about it bro Patriots might have eight Super Bowls. True. Right? 
but then you have to look at the Seattle Atlanta games. And when he came back, yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah, we could we could play woulda, yeah. coulda, shoulda for for hours. Right. But yeah, man, and look, they beat they beat a team that was about three minutes away from doing something we've never seen before. So, outdueled the goat twice when it mattered most. Not outdueled, but he pulled the Brady on, on Brady twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, Eli Manning number nine for me. Eight, I got the legend, Brett Favre. Okay. One of the great ones. And, oh, I love you some Brett Favre. 11-time Pro Bowler, six times did in 2000, three-time second-team All-Pro. It was – I did so much research because Brett Favre, for the most part, like I think like 2000, I'd say around four, I really started watching football closely. So, Brett Favre, I think he was actually because he declined a little bit in like the mid two thousands. Green Bay was like five and eleven, six and ten, and then he just kind of like Donovan McNabb had that resurgence to the point where they started competing back for Super Bowls. But I think Brett Favre, I think it's pretty self explanatory. Probably the most gutsiest quarterback that ever played a game. Guy was fearless, beyond fearless. Like this guy, any throw, any sort of tight window, he would make that throw. Like it was kind of like Jameis Winston, but Brett Favre at least kind of read the field, but. It's just looking at some of the moments. You know, it's one of the things that I don't think people talk about enough about Favre, the walk-off touchdown. I looked at some of these highlights. I mentioned on the previous pod, he had that 40-yard bomb to Greg Lewis to beat the Niners in 2009. But here's another one. First play in overtime against the Broncos back in 2007. 82-yard touchdown, Greg Jennings on Monday night. Just walk-off. Then 2002, another Monday night game against the Vikings, nevertheless. 40-yard touchdown bomb to Antonio Freeman. And it's just all these moments, this Brett Favre walk-off, just chucking it up. Just hitting that receiver in stride. That's another thing with Brett Favre. He would, you rarely see him underthrow. He'll overthrow his receivers, but underthrow is never an option until he got damaged in Minnesota. But Brett Favre, it just his arm strength was uncanny, and the guy was just fearless. And I just always would appreciate that, given that you know just his whole legacy. Times Green Bay not known for spending too much in free agency. They were always known for as a franchise with Ted Thompson. They have developed homegrown talent. So Brett Favre wasn't blessed with these superstar receivers. He had. Really damn good ones, and Greg Jennings, Down Driver, and then eventually, you know, Antonio Freeman was at the Javon Walker. Javon Walker had a little bit of his moment as well. So, I think with Brett Favre, why he's not quite in the top five, only four and six in the 2000s in the playoffs. Mm. Um, you look in the 90s, he'd be a lot higher because he won a Super Bowl and he was pretty dominant. But the 2000s, he had a couple of bad losses. Um, losing to Vikings and the Falcons as well, and then you know losing the Giants. There was a couple of ones. That yeah, combined. I was gonna say that was a bad loss. Yeah, because because Favre threw a couple of picks in those games, and it's just losing at Lambeau for especially for a franchise such a dominance there. Like you expect, you know, your experience there and just kind of intimidating environment. Favre kind of let him down there, but for the most part, Brett Favre really did his thing. I thought the Jets front was a little underwhelming, although I will say he actually. For the Jets, threw six touchdowns against the Cardinals, won 56-35. That was a game where Eric Smith uh, oh, took broke, off uh, Anquan Bolden's yeah. draw. Yeah, I remember that. People forget, though, Favre threw six touchdowns game. So he did a little bit for the for the Jets there. But it wasn't until going to Minnesota where he just had an incredible run, pretty much got Sidney Rice paid. Yeah, I'm sorry. Is that not the most like forgettable stop for an iconic player? I would say Don McNagg when the Redskins was pretty forgettable. But I don't know if Don McNagg's iconic. Yeah, like Favre. Maybe in Phillies, I rem- like. I remember Favre on, on Minnesota because they went to the playoffs and they had that one year. Yeah, where, leg- and he was legit MVP candidate. Yeah, he was incredible. But like, I, I constantly forget. Like, I had forgot that he was on the Jets. 
until we started doing this. I remember because it was pretty controversial. People were like freaking out over it. Uh, I thought McNagle and Washington was complete. Yeah, that's true. But then again, do you rate Don McNagle's iconic QB? I kind of do because he that was like part of my childhood. And right. I thought just the consistency of him consi- always being in the playoffs. But yeah, but I just think Favre definitely someone I would put in the top 10 just given what he's accomplished. Even in the 2000s, not quite there in the 90s. No, 90s he's, was way more you know MVP candidate. He's actually won a few MVPs. But you know, I just think for everything he's accomplished, I would put him in the top 10. Yeah, 43 game-winning comebacks. And, and I want to mention that. You said like in the middle of the 2000s, he kind of was going 5-11, and 4-12. Dude, he had one losing season in which he played 16 games. And that was 2005. They went 4-12. and 12. Mm-hmm. But besides that, you're looking at him 11-5, and 13-3s, and 8-8 eight and eight at worst, 12-4s, mm-hmm. 10-6s, 13-3, and 9-7. And, and, and then, you know, 5-8 and eight his last year in Minnesota. But, dude, like, I mean, shit, we're talking about consistency and – and preaching playing brutal environments yeah yeah like i ran the snow game and they played seattle in 2007 uh he threw only like 170 yards but it was three touchdowns i'll never forget he threw like a shovel pass to don lee <laughs> he was getting trampled by two guys just stuck in there like far would just, just i love those old school green bay lambo games the plus we saw a little bit this year with green bay seattle and it's just lambo i think lambo is like my favorite field because there's so much history on it and there's so many big games and far was pretty much at the height of most of them, you know, right now Rogers has done his thing, but Far was done a lot more there. So yeah, for me, I think he has to be top ten. One of the true greats. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Time to pay some bills with currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB. You might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, congrats. You'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on. Or They can bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. Might have to dabble in that. You know what I'm saying? If you're into props and entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% Welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That is BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Bet online, your online wagering experts. (laughs) Number eight for me. Philip Rivers. Ah, there we go. Do you have him also? Definitely top ten. All right. Yeah. No, no, I thought I thought maybe we had the, the same one. Um, okay, so right away, people might be saying, yo, you have Eli behind him. Yeah, I do. I would hope so. I think Phillip Rivers, of all the players on this list, has been dealt the worst hand. Not just that. I think he's actually more underappreciated in Romo, but that's my perspective. He... Talk about stability. 16 game seasons. He's never missed a start. From the time he became a starter, he's never missed a start. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who you want to talk about tough SOB. Tore his ACL on Sunday. Got surgery on Tuesday. Played an undefeated Patriots in Foxborough. Ladeon Thompson was injured too. Yeah. Michael Turner was the backup. Yeah. 32 game winning drives. 27 comebacks. He... When I think of Philip Rivers, I think seven and nine. 
And if you look at his record, there's a lot of seven and nine. I think Jeff Fisher eights. before I think Phil Rivers. I'm well, not well, something well, the great. When I'm talking about quarterbacks, though, it, it's a guy who just man, just unfortunate turn of events. Like how many times did guys go on IR that they counted on? How many times? There was one year, I believe it was in 2016, where the Chargers had the most combinations of starting linemen. Right. It was like 17 different like starting fives they put out there. And I don't think any team has had worse kicker luck than the Chargers. I, I had kicker <laughs> luck in my notes. What about just like very head-scratching organizational moves? Like uh, Marty Schottenheimer gets fired after going like... Uh, 14 and 2. 14 and first year replacing Breeze. Yeah, also to replace Breeze. And then you see what Breeze ended up doing in, in New Orleans. Like... I don't remember many people saying, like, oh, man, I wish you would have kept Breeze. Like, I think Rivers kind of eliminated that from their mind. He, I, I think for him, just constantly just his teams, his teammates letting him down because they would get hurt. And he was there a bust with, like, a really great defense. Yeah, never had. Yeah. Now he had a good defense. Yeah. Like, the last, like, two, maybe, like, year two of Bosa moving forward. You had Ingram, you had Bosa, yeah. and then uh, well, 2018 season in particular, because that's well, Derwin's rookie year, and then you had Bosa and Ingram off the edge, and Casey Hayward was playing at a real elite level. Like, you had legit stars. It's how they got trampled by the Patriots like that was just real unfortunate for them. Well, I think that because I remember I was financially tied to the L.A. Chargers, and I just remember that was a pretty bad scheduling spot. Right? Oh, the one o'clock. Sunday. They played Baltimore the week before, and yeah. then they got to play in Foxborough. A week, at, week later. Week yeah. later at, at 1 o'clock right. again. Sorry, something just went into my eye. That's what I'm bugging out right now. They can't see it, so right. I don't know why I apologize. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I just think that, dude, he was, like, my favorite dude to pick up in the 14th, 15th round in fantasy football. Like, he had 13 seasons of 4,000 yards and 25 touchdowns. So you want to talk about consistent numbers? It was that. And also, you can't think of Phillip Rivers without thinking of timely interception at the worst possible time. Because it seemed like he had a bunch of those. Someone put a compilation up. No, not a porn compilation. But a compilation of him just gift wrapping games away. Remember, Rome, Rome had something similar. Yeah. Re- remember, there was a time on Monday Night Football against the Chiefs that he fumbled the snap on a kneel down. Oh, no. Like, or or even just even this year, like, remember how he imploded against uh, the he Raiders? He just imploded in general. Know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, look, it was also year 38, and, you know, a, it, it's a gift and a curse when your guy is so durable and plays all those games in a row, and then also sacked 445 times. Right. And he was a guy that was very chirpy, like you would hit on, like how many videos? Not like whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, never, you know, like would just get beat up. But I think with Phillip Rivers, man, I used to, dude. I would say I was saying this, even after Eli Manning won both Super Bowls. I was like, "Yo, Philip Rivers is the better quarterback." And if he was the Giants' quarterback, his career would have been completely different. Imagine Philip Rivers with some of the weapons that the Giants had right. behind those early, the uh, up until 2012 offensive lines, yeah. and then uh, shit, the NASCAR package and the defenses that the Giants had. They were able to get rush the passer. All right, just Chargers didn't particularly draft well early on, and 
yeah, they had some weapons around, like like Rivers at Gates was one of the most lethal duos ever. But it just I thought Rivers made the most out of scraps. Like I never thought Vincent Jackson was a particularly great receiver. I thought Rivers kind of made him, or like a Malcolm Floyd. It's just or Dontrell Inman, like Rivers just had this accuracy and he had a really quick release. That's something I always remember with Phil Rivers, just someone that always got the ball either really quickly or just quick enough where either DBs can make a play or say defensive lineman couldn't get a hand up to bat it down. Just Rivers always got the ball in a hurry. And I think that's something that kind of prolonged his career because he was taking a beating. People forget like 2011, 12, he threw a combined 35 interceptions that led to him being a comeback player of the year in 2013. So there was a time where there was some uncertainty about Rivers, but he bounced back in a big way and went on to have some really good years. His career numbers are 397 touchdown passes, 198 interceptions. He's 123 and 101 as a starter. Yo, he also kind of got some rough deals being in the AFC, right? Always running into New England. Never, I think he I, never. I would say AFC West, and when you think about well, it, yeah, Denver and Kansas City. To, yeah. I was going to get to that, where he runs into Peyton Manning, and then. Chiefs year in year out of ten win teams. Alex Smith, yeah. yeah. So he always had a difficult road to to go through to make the playoffs and whatnot. And and he played in eleven playoff games. I think the toughest quarterback that appears on this list, in my opinion. I gotta go far, but Rivers definitely up there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anything else on Philip Rivers? Or are you saving some stuff for Philip Rivers? Number seven for me. Okay. Yeah, I. I I was debating between him and Far, but I put Rivers slightly over him because I just think Rivers, when it comes to 2000s, just has been more consistent, and I think he's done more with so with more little than the, the previous quarterbacks. Because, like I said, seven and ten was most difficult. I put Rivers over Far, Warner, and Romo just because I think between the not so great supporting guys and just longevity of what he's done. Like, let's not forget this guy's beaten Peyton Manning a couple of times to play with some not yeah. so great teams and eight and eight teams. Like he managed to do that and. This is Peyton after you know the Peyton that would always fly in the playoffs. Like, this is, you know, Lee Peyton. La- last thing, how many years did they miss the playoffs? But it was one of those teams where you're like, damn, we hope. 2017, I'll never forget. They went, they started the season 0 4. Two yeah. of those games was a young Hoku missing kicks, but they ended 9 7. I'll never forget. They destroyed Dallas that Thanksgiving game. Then they, well, they went 28-6. He threw over 400 yards, three TDs. That's when you first heard the rumblings. Like, oh, wow, Jason Garrett might not be the guy. But like, there was times where the Chargers had those late-season surges, but it's just those the early late, season. Yeah, yeah, the late-season surge. Yeah. That's exactly what I was going to bring up about how he was a guy that was leading teams that people did not want to play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, so. Shit, I remember that all the time. I would look at the betting odds. I'd be like, yo, if they could sneak in, they're 50-1. to one. I like mm-hmm. it, yada, yada. But all right, what's the next thing you got? Uh, so Rivers... We obviously been talking about him quite a bit, but I think one thing I just appreciate about River is number one of those fields. Oh right, perfect segue yeah. into okay. So my he's bad. my number yeah, seven. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, other than Manning, Breeze, and Brady, I assume more quarterbacks will join this list. But other than at the time in 2018, other than Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady threw more than 4,000 yards in 10 consecutive seasons. So that speaks volumes, especially given that Rivers was a first starter in 2006, where you know those late 2000s still wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a formality that you would throw for 4,000 yards. You take a lot more effort than it is now. So I think that's something you have to appreciate. I'll never forget first year of Rivers. He had to play Bill Cowher's defense. This is Bill Cowher's last year. He threw 242 yards, two TDs, and actually beat the Steelers back when the Steelers' defense was vaunted. They were the most feared defense. And that's what kind of kicked it off. And I think with Rivers, just going through the years, uh, looking at 
kind of what the Chargers were because the Chargers were a mess of organization. Like he was the one that ended their 13-year drought, not winning a playoff game. He beat the Titans in 2007, threw for 299, one TD, and then eventually beating the Colts. Like okay, he never quite got the Super Bowl, but they would consistently, at least in those late 2000s, they would need the playoffs. Uh, I know there was a couple. I guess say letdowns like who could forget when they were the number one seed but then they lost that Jets team or back in 09 yeah, Rex Ryan Sean Green I, yeah they should have done a lot better that year that was a bit of a wasteful year on there for Cromartie's that awful tackle that's on Sean Green so let's get Rivers kind of get dealt poor hand because the Chargers there were some years where they were number one seed and they really were the favorites but they kind of disappointed but I think with Rivers kind of going from Sean Eimer to North Turner and then Mike McCoy who I know gets a lot of criticism now, but Mike McCoy is a big reason why Rivers started getting the ball quicker. I think he kind of helped them get more longevity because there were those major question marks out of the 2012 season. Is Rivers going to be here long-term? Is he, He's taking way too much punishment, but I think getting the ball quicker really helped them. So uh, Rivers, someone that kind of like Romo, where there were a lot more in the limelight, kind of disappointed more than he shined, which is why he gets a better rep. But I think if you watch him year in, year out, you know Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks to play a game. He's someone that consistently put up great numbers. There's a few unfortunate situations that cloud that. But I think year in, year out, you just see Rivers you know, high with the yards, completion percentage. Just someone that week in, week out, you know he's going to bring it. So that's why I had to put in my top 10. Just always been very consistent. Yeah, I don't have much more to add to Philip Rivers since I, I had him at number 8. My number 7 is Ben Roethlisberger. Okay. Big Ben Roethlisberger, uh, two no, yeah, two time Super Bowl champ. I was trying to remember before I got into my notes. Um, has been to the Super Bowl three times. Um, man, twenty one games in the playoffs. Basically, he's lived in the playoffs. He's lived in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, won a Super Bowl early where. The knock on him was ah, maybe game managerish, maybe a guy who needs everything around him to be great. When you're playing with that defense, yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, like he came into the league playing with a Hall of Fame caliber defense, yeah, yeah. and a Hall of Fame caliber coach, uh, coach, yeah. and yeah. and um, Bill Dick Cowher. Well, oh, Bill Dick Cowher, but defense Dick coordinator Lebeau too. Man, I'll never forget the one graphic. I think it was like the 08 Steelers, and it was like any, it was like a top ten graphic on NBC and. Every stat or category that mattered, it was like first, 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 second, first, 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 first. Yeah, because you got guys like James Harrison, Troy Palmalo, Casey Hampton, Aaron Smith, like Larry Foot was good. Also, yeah, Ike Taylor was good. Yeah, their corners were never that great, but they had the system where they could play around that. Yeah, they never got exposed right. really. So Big Ben, I think, uh, kind of similar to Eli Manning. In the sense where, like, the 2009 to 11 range, they started to air it out more and kind of were able to show that they can... Sure, they still needed pieces around them to be good, but that's when Big Ben started with the 4,900 passing yards, 4,200 passing yards, 4,300 passing yards. And I talk about longevity and durability. Longevity, he's been the Steelers quarterback since 2004. This year... You know, had a Tommy John surgery. But, man, a lot of seasons in which he missed games. 
because of you know concussions or talking about tough sob he's definitely in that discussion as off well off the field incidents off the field stuff yeah which I, I put an asterisk next to um his resume here that we were going to bring up a lot of a lot of scandals a lot of calling out teammates a lot of not someone you want to look at in the leadership department i would say yeah i think it was a guy who big ben never struck me as a leader i think he kind of just fell into that role because of the position that he played like I think there's some dudes that are quarterbacks, but it doesn't necessarily make you a leader. It's just that you play a position yeah. of leadership in a way, like Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like Aaron Rodgers isn't the if you like Eli Manning's a great leader because he's like, yeah, man, you know, I didn't play well, this and that, even though wide receivers had eight drops mm-hmm. or shit, you know, where Aaron Rodgers is like, yeah, we got to make plays, got to catch the ball. It's like, hey, I get it. You don't need to say it publicly, like you, right, you, right. You, you give up that attitude. Yeah, it's not the best thing. I'll never forget. Coach Brosnan, my high school football coach, would always say, dude, don't yell at the wide receiver that dropped the ball. No one feels worse than the person that makes that mistake. He's like, take that with your life. And it's true. Like, Alan, if you fuck up on something, how many times do I have to tell you before you're like, hey, man, I know. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. eventually, you just know. And that that could be anything. Yeah. And it's also just like, Alan knows if he fucked up or if I fucked up. I don't need Alan to tell me all the time, especially if you're self-aware and you're conscious of what you did. It's like no one feels worse than the person that made their mistake. I think Big Ben, I put dot, 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 what if? Because, man, how many years did the Steelers just like underperform in a big game or didn't get into the playoffs because of some bad losses? Remember there was the the one Jacksonville game where he threw five interceptions and then that was the whole, well, I guess I should retire. Uh, I don't want to play anymore. Well, that was a regular season game. That was yeah, October, that was a regular season yeah. game. But I'm saying... With, it was very petty. It was in 2017. Yeah. And and then that year, you look at like the Jaguars team that they lost. Hindsight is 2020. But like that was just the ultimate one-year wonder with the Jaguars. But then they played in the playoffs, but they lost in a crazy shootout. I think that was more on Mike Tomlin than him. Yeah. That was the first year that the Triple Bs all played together, right? Antonio Brown, Big Ben, and Le'Veon Bell in the playoffs. Right. Like, there was a lot of times where... Because in 2014, they all played together. I don't know if they did much in the playoffs, though. Um, 2014, I remember that was like the first year where they were really taking over. Like I remember wow. in fantasy, those dudes would just do her thing. So I, I think with Ben, like it was either Le'Veon Bell would get hurt at a bad time, Antonio Brown would get hurt at a bad time, it was just a team where a lot of what ifs around them, mm-hmm. and then when the defense they had the greatest receivers at times either, like the, the terms of like number twos and number threes. Well, it was a bit I limited. I don't know. I don't know because I do feel as if like he had Manny Sanders. I'm saying at times, but like they invested a lot more. Tavis Bryant, he wasn't always on the field. Sure. Yeah. 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 But I, I, I don't think that's fair because you got the tail end of Heinz Ward. We always praise how well they do in. Drafting wide receivers and then turning them into studs. True, but they're not always the most reliable. That's my point. They oh, either yeah, yeah. Oh, don't sure, resign sure, them sure, or sure. they get suspended. Sure. Yeah, so it came in. It just came in limitations. There was times they were lying like Darius Hayward Bay. It's like, really? We're going to do this? Big Ben played 21 games in the playoffs. It seemed like every year he would win a game in the playoffs also. Um, he wasn't a guy that got the bye week often. Because they'd have those duels with, this is something I have here, pretty tough division. 
Like, and it didn't help that he, he sometimes didn't play 16 games. So Right. Yeah. And that was the the deciding factor in a lot of these where like Baltimore would win the division and then Pittsburgh got to go into Baltimore yeah. or the other way around. And let's not forget, Cincinnati, it's been a shit show the last couple of years. Yeah. But that 2010 to like 2015, this was a team that was... And early a, Palmer. Remember that game? It was Palmer. The Palmer game? Yeah. 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 So... It's a it's a tale of two tapes with with Big Ben, where in the beginning he was the game manager, and then he transitioned into a guy that could take over. And shit, I mean, in in 2018, they missed a they missed the playoffs, but 34 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. That's the most touchdown passes that he's thrown in his career, and 5,129 passing yards led the NFL. All right. He got better as his career progressed, pretty yeah. much as more he took on the responsibility. Because they kind of shifted away from being a run-first offense the more he grew. And I think they started investing a lot more in the offensive line. Pittsburgh, for the past, I would say, five years have had a top-five caliber offensive line, which helped. So pieces definitely helped them. But it was crazy. Like him and uh, wow, Todd Haley would always be going back and forth. He didn't have a great relationship with Todd Haley. That was another fact. There is always drama around Ralphsburg. But you have to give him credit. The guy is a two-time champion. And most years, his teams are contending. So it's just that consistency, which is what you want to see from a top 10 quarterback, you know, on this list. Anything else you want to add on uh, Big Ben? Or are you saving him? I'm saving him. Yeah. for you. All right, cool. You want to give us uh, your last guy on the list? Yeah, this wasn't too difficult. Put Russell Wilson at six. Seven-time Pro Bowler, one-time second-team All-Pro, 28 game-winning drives. I think if we were doing this two years from now, Russell would probably make top five. It's just like they... The early years of Russell Wilson, kind of like Big Ben, a little bit more of a game manager. I actually thought his rookie year was he was not very good. Not it's not an asterisk or anything, but I'm looking at a guy like Russell Wilson that hasn't quite played as much as say a Rolfsberg or Phil Rivers is a bit. Of, even though I put more Rivers or some of the names we'll mention uh, on the next episode. That's why he isn't quite in the, my top five, but I think he's on the verge of doing. It. From I would say 2014 onwards, he's played at pretty much elite level. I would say 2014, he really started taking the reins. And then 2015, he pretty much became the man. I'll never forget, 2015, this is after he got the contract. He had just 10 touchdowns and 7 interceptions his first 9 games. And then he went off. 19 touchdowns and 0 interceptions in the next 5 games. Only quarterback in FLS to throw 3 touchdowns with 0 picks in 5 consecutive games. They pretty much went from 2-4 and four to 7-1. Did it without Marshawn Lynch and Jimmy Graham. Got to keep that in mind because Dave Vestalot and Jimmy Graham and Lynch was obviously the man there. And another crazy stat is 51.7% on deep balls. Led the league by like over 10%. You know, the fact that he was completing more than half of his deep balls is pretty absurd. Just Russell Wilson is just the ultimate playmaker. The guy that was kind of the face of someone that you need to make an ass structure play. He would do it, especially considering some of the offensive minds he had to deal with there, whether it be uh, Dare Bevel or no offensive Schumer. minds. Yeah, <laughs> I should yeah. probably use phrase a lot better than I did. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, just what he had to deal with there, and what he's currently dealing with, just very outdated offenses. Uh, he's just the king of making those ash structure plays. This guy that you put him on, he treats the NFL field like a schoolyard. He would just roam around and he'll just hit someone, whether it be Doug Baldwin or Tyler Lockett. And you, before, I would say him getting DK Mecca because the whole Sidney Rice. Project was a disaster. It was kind of disappointing there. But Russell Wilson, you look at supporting cast, never really had that big physical receiver. Like Jermaine Curse was 
kind of disappointed more than he produced. Although you gotta say though, his, that game-winning throw to Curse against Green Bay was yeah. arguably Wilson's biggest. And he also had ever. that wild-ass acrobatic catch in the Super Bowl too to Curse. Got to the one-yard line. Yeah. yeah, the rest is history after that. But well, I remember with Russ. I think his first big moment threw four picks in that game against Green Bay. They were down sixteen nothing, nineteen seven. The fourth quarter, five minutes left, and they won it at the end. And ironically, Curse was responsible for two of the four interceptions. Yet. Russell Wilson, I think the coolest thing about him is he's another guy never put his teammates, never threw him under the bus and always believed in them regardless of the talent level. Whether it was he was throwing to Luke Wilson or Jabay Curse, he's like, he's going to do what he can. And I think he's kind of always surpassed expectations. You look at 2017, a lot of people thought this is the year Seattle's going to fade. They lost a lot of defensive talent, whether it be Sherman or Cliff Avery or Cam Chancellor. And that year... Through 34 touchdowns, led the NFL, ran for 556 yards, leading rusher on his own team. Yep. He pretty much carried it. And this is the stat where you mentioned before with Eli Manning uh, threw 15 touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Russ tied that record that year, which goes to show you per, for a pretty average Seattle team to take them to the playoffs. I know I always, if you listen to the podcast earlier in the season, I always made fun of that Seattle Denver game, uh, Seattle Dallas game, excuse me, as being like one of the worst playoff games ever. Remember, we were roused for it was like 15 people in this house, and we're just like, this is a playoff game? It's like Saturday night. It's like such a dud. But besides that, I thought Russell Wilson, uh, that 2017 season, uh, or actually, wait, I'm butchering this right now. 2018, my apologies. Yeah, that was, was yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm looking at my I'm looking at my notes right now because what's got Seattle into the playoffs that year, uh, beat Mahomes in Kansas City 38-31 on Sunday night. I'll duel them, and he threw he actually threw 35 touchdowns. I would say I'm looking just Russ. I would say for 2015 to 2000 currently, I'd say he's been pretty much like a top three quarterback. 2014 was the like I would say inauguration of Russell Wilson going from being like a game manager to now he's okay. This guy could pretty much carry the team. And now he's someone that I think going forward, he's going to be an MVP candidate. Like at least you go, go into preseason. like, all right, he's someone's got to be mentioned. So I think what he's done is incredible considering also the fact that look where he's came from. Someone that Matt Flynn was supposed to start over him. And now boom, he's one of the best ever to do it. So yeah, I think one of the most exciting quarterbacks, someone that I think is so likable. I think if you don't like watching Russell Wilson, you should probably not watch the sport. <laughs> it's pretty much that's how it is and I think he's somewhere that in terms of highlight reels you look back on it, he's going to have one of the best ones ever I love everything you've said about him I'm going to take a rain check on commenting on him because where I have him on my list you're going to lose your mind Okay. so I'm going to refrain from talking about Russell Wilson I want to point out just one thing never had a losing season and he's made the playoffs all but one season so and 28 game winning drives. Right. And from a betting perspective, no one, no one puts the fear of God in me when I'm holding a ticket and my team is covering and he has the ball left. Because you just know. Because like, it's just <laughs> like, yo, it's like, so it's it's three guys, right? It's, it's him, it's Deshaun Watson, it's Pat Mahomes. We're like, I'm like, damn, these guys are going to backdoor cover. Like, they're down 17, but, you know, my, my ticket's a minus seven. And, like, yo, they're going to come out. It's going to be a three-point game. Posing defense lines guest, you know, not getting yeah, much pressure. Yeah, it's late in the game. Yeah. They, they're, they're, they're asked out at this point. They have nothing left in the tank. And those guys just play so well from behind. Mobile quarterbacks, I just realized, all three of them. But, yeah, Russell Wilson's in that discussion. I want to mention one last thing. Uh, the 2015 playoffs, two crazy plays. 
Remember, they were down nine nothing against the Vikings in that game where it had to be at least negative ten degrees. Oh, that's the day. That's the day I stopped playing football in the winter. Oh, swear to God. All right, well, there we go. Coldest day. It was like minus twenty three degrees. Saving lives out here. Yeah. But remember that it was a botched snap and for this went yards outfield and then he got it and then threw a 40 yard play to title locket like i love those those are the kind of broken plays i absolutely love and then the final week they were down 31 nothing against carolina and nearly came back in that one through over 350 yards three tds so i think like i said 2015 was a star of russell wilson entering that elite category and he's just taking it from there and he's gonna be there for a long time it's only 31 my number six quarterback is tony romo um, without spending too much time on this one, the one thing I do want to mention that we didn't mention before is not without some controversy. Remember the trip he took with Jessica Simpson? Yeah, on a bye week. It was unfortunate. I, I it don't think it's. I don't think it was controversial. But it was just. It was just. No, yeah. but it's one of those situations where if they would have won that game, no one would have cared. Even if they would have lost the next week to Green Bay, which they would have hosted. Right? right. Remember, Green uh, Green Bay was the two seed. The Giants were the six seed that year. And the Cowboys were the one seed. Yeah, not to go bad track. Just that's why I, I think Jason Garrett is so overrated. He's blown some great opportunities. Wait, wait, he wasn't in the coach until no, seven. No, no, no. That's what. That's way back. Yeah. Oh, okay. You just have that vendetta for him. That's I'm, that's I'm thinking him. the 2016 because remember they were the one seed. They lost to Green Bay. They would have played Atlanta and they would have the. That was uh, 2014 that you're talking about. 2014 they were the one seed. No, they played Detroit Wild Card Weekend. 2014 was the did he catch it year, wasn't it? Yeah, but that was in Lambeau. With Des right, Bryant. and then which one are you talking about? I'm talking about 2016. Remember, they were one seed. That was Zeke's rookie year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, why yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah, lost okay. the Packers. Packers a pretty, yeah, pretty that was the Jerry average. Cook, the Jerry Cook. Yeah, and, yeah. but if they would have won that, they would have played Atlanta in Dallas. So that's right. why I mentioned okay. it. But no. that's why I got oh, who, who was even the QB? Uh, who was the coach in 2007? I think it was Wade Phillips. Probably, because it wasn't Parcells. Oh, yo, you know what? I think it was Parcells. Get the Really? Man, was Parcells really there? No, it was Wade Phillips. He was Wade the coach Phillips. from 2007 to 2010. Wow. I thought Jason Garrett was there for like over like 11 years. Dude, he was there like a, a decade. He was there for a decade. Pretty, pretty much. much, yeah. Okay, so back to Tony Romo. I mentioned the Band-Aid before. I think, you know, a lot of times, whether it was offensive line not being good, the characters that they brought in, yada, yada. I also think like, is there a bigger o- owner in sports than Jerry Jones as far as how much he wants the media. To, dude, this guy does press conferences at locker rooms and shit after his team loses. I would say it's him and for all the soccer fans out there, Florinto Perez and Real Madrid is known for being a very big character. But in, in yeah. stateside, it's definitely Yeah, it's him, Jerry right? Jones without, like, who he, else is out yeah, there? Yeah, like, no one commands a room like he does. Apparently, all the owners defer to, like, him and Robert Kraft are, like, the two guys. Right. That, like, nobody likes Dan Snyder, but Dan Snyder doesn't do a lot of interviews. So, I think with Romo, man, he was a guy who, different circumstances, I think we're talking about a completely different guy on this list. I think you're talking about a guy who's up higher, possibly, possibly has some championships, Calls didn't go his way uh, a lot of the times also. But then again, I'm also of the believer that sometimes you got to put teams away so that those calls late in games don't have to dictate anything. So I think Romo, man, sixth best quarterback of the 2000s. Um, The years that he would play 16 games, the Cowboys were a legitimate contender to win a Super Bowl. And I think that has a lot to do with him. And also, 
what was the term that you mentioned before um that you didn't start hearing until romo about like being mobile like sneaky sneak- oh sneak athletic yeah i also think like mobile was the prototype quarterback that i would want in the sense of like he could run and pick up a first down. If it's third and eight and no one's open, but there's room and like say the edge rushers are already upfield, you could count on Roma to get those ten yards. Yeah, or he could buy time like yeah. no one else, one of the best guys to buy time. Yeah. Actually, we didn't even mention that about Ben Roethlisberger too, which I think is definitely something we should have mentioned about sneakily True. athletic and yeah. a guy who was, you know, never ran for seventy yards in a game, mm-hmm. but it was just buying time and Romo would buy time and extend plays. He was one of the first guys that I would see to extend plays. And as a Giants fan playing him twice a year, I was always like, man, you know, he's a guy that's going to light us up. He's going to make Justin Tuck and Pierre Paul and Strahan back in the day. You know, he'd miss, they'd miss him and whatnot. And then he'd make a play. But he was one of those quarterbacks that dove. Like he wasn't that for a contact eventually later in his career with all the injuries. But he was someone that I've never seen. Like when he was scramble, he would dive like, to reach the pylon, he was pretty fearless in that aspect. He had the infamous uh, drop in the snap when he was the holder. Didn't mention that. Didn't mention that. And then I don't know if remember this. There was a. It was like a third and three against the Rams. It was a crazy snap. It was like thirty-five yards. Ball went outfield. He like escaped three defensive linemen, got the first down. Went from like a thirty-five yard loss to like a four-yard third down conversion. So just some of those freak moments that kind of encapsulate Roma's career. But I just. I think the one knocker Romo, remember Dallas was like the first team ever. I think it was between, I want to say, I know it was like 2011. Maybe it was like 11 to 13 where they lost that last game of the regular season every year, whether it was the Giants, Redskins, or Eagles, that week 17. And it's just those kind of factors, you know, the whole 8-8 eight eight thing. That's kind of got to be a little bit of a knock on Romo. Because I remember some of those games, especially the Redskins game, he kind of blew and then they got like dominated by the Giants. But it was just some of those moments that I think knocked Roma a little bit. It just didn't quite deliver in those big moments. Yeah. So from 2011 to 2013, eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and seven. Yo, I also want to mention how him getting injured kind of set up the Cowboys moving forward because they're coming off that 12 and 12 and four year, right? They're, they're the one seed. He gets injured in 15. In 15. And then they get gifted that top five pick. They get Zeke. And then they take a stab on Dak Prescott in the draft, expecting Romo to be the guy. Remember, Romo gets hurt in the preseason game. Man, what if? You know, Romo's 35. He's coming off the last time we saw him play a full season, arguably the best one of his career, 34 touchdowns, nine interceptions. And then that was the best offensive line. So I think Romo, man, if Romo plays in that 2016, and look, the Cowboys were the one seed that year, so... Would have been a little bit different, I think. You never know what could have True. been. You also have to take into account Jerry Jones was very high on Paxton Lynch. Oh. He was going to trade up for him. Yeah, that's right. They bailed him out. That's right. So, all right, man. Next time we uh, show up is our top five. The true great. True, yeah. This is the true icons yeah. of the game. Right. Um, all right, I got some housekeeping notes. Guys, I know I'm a fucking idiot. I keep forgetting to do this, but roll call. For the Patreon members, my guy Nick Chavez, shout out to him, shout out to Ryan Pisner, shout out to Christopher Velasquez, Bo Clore, Corey Johnson Hoops, Derek Pleiades, and Daniel Gibson. Thank you all for your monthly donations in the franchise tag and the Supermax tier. For everyone else, we are doing our NCAA bracket, March Madness. You need to be in the veterans minimum tier or higher. 
prizes are going to be determined depending on how many people we get in there. If you guys want to sign up, for those of you listening and you want to just join this contest and then dip out on the Patreon, that's totally fine too. It's cool. No hard feelings. A lot of people do do that. The Patreon members do fluctuate throughout the year. Something like March Madness last year, I believe we had like 120 patrons. We'll be cool to try to get close to that again. So patreon.com slash veterans minimum for the month of March to get in our NCAA tournament. Get your asses in there and we'll be able to uh, have something cool and have something locked in for that contest for this month. Alan. Where can they find you if they want to contact you? Alan underscore Sturk. That's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. At The Lamb Show is where you can find me. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find everything else on the show. Guys, the video is already up. The YouTube channel. For those of you that are Patreon members, you're listening to this episode a week early. Uh, the video is not up yet because I'm putting it up right away, uh, March 10th. But for everyone else... You'll be getting this episode later on. Go and check out the uh, VM Road Trip, Las Vegas, Nevada for UFC 248 on the YouTube channel. And the YouTube is uh, constantly pumping out a bunch of content. I got a dope video idea I got to tell you about, which I think think you might get behind because you're an alcoholic like I am sometimes. Recreationally. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, where are we going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our Keep Stock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.